0: morning everybody good to see y'all let's uh let's all stand we are really happy to see you guys here in the building with us we're very happy that you've clicked on the link to join us online welcome to worship at church on the trail we hope this is a meaningful experience for you if you are here for the first time or maybe this is one of your first times we would like to get into your hands one of these this is our welcome packet, it has a lot of cool information, it'll tell you about our church, kind of a little behind the scenes, what makes us who we are, and so we want you to raise your hand if you are a visitor or guest or would like one of these, we'll get one of these into your hands. You're going to notice, as I said, tons of good information, but in the very back of your welcome packet, you'll find what we call our connection card. And it looks something like this. Actually, it looks exactly like this, because this is what it is. This is the connection card. And we would ask you, if you're one of our guests uh, today, if you'll fill out a little bit of information there, bring it to our connections desk in the hallway. We have a free gift, which is a little way for us to say thank you. We promise not to, uh, uh, you know, like blow your phone up or, or, or hound you with, uh, with messages. We just want to say thank you for being here and know that you were with us. The connection card could also be found in the seat back right in front of you or online at churchonthetrail.org connect. And so we encourage everybody, use the connection card to communicate with Church on the Trail. Maybe you've got a prayer request. Maybe you need some information. Whatever the case may be, use the connection card. Drop it off at the connections desk or fill one out online, and we'll answer any questions that you can to the best of our ability. Again, thank you for being here. Our church exists to help people find their way back to God and grow. And so that's the kind of room you've walked into. That's the kind of link that you've clicked on today. And thank you again for being here. I just want to take a couple of minutes and give you a few announcements, cool things coming up on the calendar in the life of our church. This upcoming Saturday, Uh, no, actually, is it? Yes, it is. It's November 20th. This Saturday is our annual uh, M2540, which is our homeless ministry here at Church on the Trail, is our annual Thanksgiving meal that, uh, that we're serv- serving to the homeless community, and so we could use your help. So please uh, go, to, go, go to the Facebook and look up M2540, and you can go to, at the M2540 Facebook page, and you can let us know if you can serve. Also, we'd like to let you know that we're participating for this Christmas as our outreach participating in an angel tree gift-giving deal. And so there are foster children all over our area who need some good Christmas gifts. And so you could go out into the hallway on the wall. You'll see a really cool Christmas tree design on the wall with sticky notes. You take one of the sticky notes, has a gift in it, and you could go buy the gift. And that gift will be given to one of the foster children in our area. Great way to bless people this Christmas. So all you have to do, buy the gift. Bring it back here during the first week of December. Do not wrap the gift. We have elves for that. So you, somebody else is going to wrap it, but you bring it here sometime first week of December. Last announcement, also a December announcement on Friday, December the 10th. We're having a blood drive. Now, the need for blood doesn't take a holiday. So we're doing one right in the middle of December. And so we hope you'll participate in this Red Cross blood drive that we're going to host right here at Church on the Trail. All the information about those things I just mentioned and anything else going on in the life of the church is available at churchonthetrail.org. Okay, you guys ready to get started with our worship service? You ready to sing some songs and worship to the Lord? Our band is ready. Jesse's ready. You're ready. So let's go for it. Take us there, boss.
1: Good morning, everybody. Join us as we worship.
2: your name there are miracles your love is greater than the fears that we hold to by your wonder you have opened wide the gates of heaven and the earth collide we've seen you move and there's nothing you can't do king of heaven this place with your presence let our hearts awake we are desperate for your kingdom come bring revival let the darkness run we're gonna see the god of empty graves Speak a word that calms the wind and waves We're gonna see the dry bones come alive Holy Spirit tearing down these Sorry Holy Spirit tearing down these walls By the power of the resurrected Christ King of heaven, come and fill this place with your presence. Let our hearts awake, we are desperate for your kingdom. Come, bring revival. Let the darkness run. King of heaven, come and fill this place with your presence. Let our hearts awake, we are desperate For your kingdom come, bring revival. Let the darkness... desperate for your kingdom. Come bring revival. King of heaven, come and fill this place with your presence. Let our hearts awake. We are desperate for your kingdom. Come bring revival. Let the darkness run. Oh uh-huh.
1: People like your word says, please come and be with us this morning. Everything we do is for you and in your name. Amen. Y'all can have a seated. Please watch this video for us real quick.
0: But uh, we'd like to take a moment, uh, as we observed, uh, we all observed Veterans Day just a few weeks ago, and I know it's uh, it might be a drag for you, but I'm just gonna ask you, if you have or have served or are serving in our enfor- forces, would you please stand? We'd like to honor you on this Veterans Day. Thank you, we applaud you, and uh, We honor you and your families. Amen. Thank you. We appreciate that. We've come to the part of our service where every Sunday when we gather, we get the opportunity to worship God by receiving an offering. And during this time, we don't pass a plate or a bucket or anything like that. But if it's on your heart to worship God by giving an offering to church on the trail, there are a number of ways you can do that. There on the screen, there are uh, these black drop boxes here in the worship center and one at our connections desk in the hallway. And you could, uh, there's an offering envelope in the seat back in front of you. If you like, you can place your offering in there and drop it in one of the drop boxes. There's a giving kiosk also in the hallway. Uh, there are, uh, you could text to give. You can Venmo, slash uh, give. So there are a number of ways you can do that. And we believe. That as we worship God by giving our offerings, it's the generosity and our obedience to worship him with our giving. That's what drives ministry here at Church on the Trail. So we thank you for your generosity in allowing us to use our stuff, our resources, to make a difference in the lives of others. So I want to say a, a prayer of blessing over the offering that's going to be given this morning and, and throughout the week. And uh, after this, uh, this prayer then our pastor Ed Griffin Hagen will come and bring a message for us from the word of God. So join me in prayer if you will. Lord, thank you for today and and for meeting us in our time of worship. Lord, we're we're grateful
3: Amen, brother. I'm glad you could scream that out. Hey, y'all. <clears throat> My name uh, is Ed griffin I am one of, one of the pastors on our staff uh, here at Church on the Trail. I'm super thankful that y'all are here today. Lots of places that you could be. Uh, but God's got you here for a reason. I think he's got me standing here for a reason. And, and I think he's got a message for us today. Uh, I think he's got a powerful message a message for us today. You know, when when uh, when Jesus rescues us, and that's what happens. He rescues us from the pit. He begins a, a a process that takes each of us from where we were to a life that is secure and a life that is centered on Him. And it is true, for sure, that He loves you exactly where you are, whatever that means, wherever. You, Wherever you are spiritually, wherever you are uh, physically, whatever it is, he loves you right where you are. But it is equally true that he loves you too much to leave you the way that you are in that moment. You know, I have been watching uh, for the second time, walking through and watching The Chosen again. And the old Ed, you know, 15, 18 years ago, I, I would have probably thrown darts at that show because it's not all... Specifically, word for word scripture, but 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 so it's not the Bible. So, the, the, if you have, raise your hand, if you watch the Chosen, dude, it is so good. Y'all need to watch it. It is it is not the Bible. It is a show uh, on the Bible, and it's pretty accurate. But the 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 script is not scripture only scripture. Anyway, um, and so it should not be the only Bible you get. Don't let that show or any other show replace Scripture. Y'all tracking with me on that? The Bible is the Word of God. This show is not the Word of God. It's based on the Word of God. But anyway, there's a scene with Mary Magdalene, and I can't remember if it's in the first or second show of the of season one, but she says this. It's such a great line. She says, I was one way, and now I'm completely different. And the thing that happened in between was him. He loves you too much to leave you the way that you were. Whatever that means, however you were before you met him, you can't be the same on the other side of that. We say it all the time, you can't be the same on the bad side of the cross as you, as you are on the good side of the cross. So, he rescues us and he begins this process. And y'all, we're continuing in a series that we started last week called Collide, and we have been walking through, and if you're new to our church, we, we, we preach in an expository way, which means we walk through verse-by-verse verse books of Scripture, and we've been in Acts for several months, but if we got to Acts chapter 8, the first four verses, and what we saw in Acts 8, 1 through 4 is we saw the, the, the Christ followers in the early church scatter based upon um, a, a number of circumstances, ultimately based on God's sovereignty. But you got twenty or thirty thousand folks, Jesus freaks, believers, scattering. Well, where did they scatter to? They scattered to the world. They scattered to Judea and Samaria, and then out to the to the ends of the earth. Well, what we see is a collision between the body of Christ and culture. And so we stepped out of this walk through Acts, and we're going to be in this little thing called Collide for two or three uh, weeks. And so we kicked it off last week by looking into the, into the biblical principle of standing firm in our faith. When the world attempts to, to offer me and you a different set of values, a different set of beliefs, a different set of principles, the world offers you a, uh, a, a different worldview than Scripture than the Lord would offer us. And it's all based on, on or it includes things that seem and can be, seductive and alluring and, and, and very much attractive to us, but ultimately they're inconsistent and they're shaky and they are difficult to stand on, and at the end of the day, they're destructive. Also, how is it that we, and we touched on this last week, that we pursue the things of Christ? Well, the answer to that is that we allow ourselves to be led by the Holy Spirit into truth, objective truth. When we do that, we can at least begin to to experience this abundant life that Jesus came to give us. But how do we do that? How do we keep that experience going day after day after day? Well, I believe that God desires several things from us as we move forward in that life that he promises. I want to talk about three of those things today. And these are things after the foundation gets laid correctly. The first one that I want to talk about is being transformed. Being transformed. You know, you remember, you remember the, y'all recognize that? <laughs> Bet you didn't think you'd see that in church. You know, you remember the Transformer movies. There have been, I don't know, five or six. Revenge of the Fallen, Dark of the Moon, Age of Extinction. You know, the five or six different movies, and there's a, actually another one coming out in 2022 called Transformers, The Rise of the Beast. And all these movies have been hits. Well, I think maybe the reason that these movies, I don't even know, what's this dude's name? Is that Bumblebee? Okay. You see that, oh, man, earlier today the lights were yellow and they matched that. What happened? <laughs> anyway, that was a rabbit trail, y'all. If you're new to that church on the trail, I will... I, Oh, I thought, oh, there we go. We got a little bit of yellow. All right. All right. Um, I think maybe the reason, one of the reasons at least why these movies are so successful is it has to do with the idea of of, of a transformer. An ordinary car would transform into a superhero with extraordinary uh, abilities. Just the ordinary becomes extraordinary through a transformation. The point being that that, that ordinary vehicles are transformed and I believe that God desires the same thing to happen in our life. He desires for a transformation to take place. Every single one of us, beyond a doubt, are have been, are, or maybe are right now being tempted to follow the patterns of the world, the, the template of the world, the, the schematic that the world gives us. And we get caught up in... in most of the time in sinful behavior that, that ultimately does not fulfill us. We think it's going to fulfill us, but then it just, it just doesn't. But God truly does know best. He knows better that what you need than you know what you need. Paul writes about this in Romans chapter 12, verse 2. It's one of the most powerful verses in Scripture. Here's what he has to say. He says, do not be conformed to this world. But be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good, what is acceptable, and what is perfect. And in that one, in that one verse, I think Paul, it's like he all of a sudden starts talking about mathematics. He gives us this equation. First there is, there's a subtraction, and then after that subtraction, there's an addition, and then there is an outcome. And I want us to dig a little bit into this verse today. And it's going to be the main passage or main verse that we're going to talk about. But I want us to dig into it a little bit. Look at the three things that I think he's talking about. First thing is this. That he, and if you don't have a worship guide, raise your hand because I'd like to get one in your hand. There's some fill in the blanks. Anyway, he invites us, first of all, to just simply say no to the patterns of the world. To simply say no to the, to the schemes of the world. Y'all, I'm a firm believer, and I think life kind of plays this out, that in every one of our lives, there is a rhythm of some sort of kind, some sort of rhythm. Some of us got healthy rhythms. For instance, maybe we wake up every morning and we have our cup of coffee. Raise your hand if you wake up every morning. First thing you do is race and you get to raise your hand if you at y'all are like only three people. That's just not true. How many of y'all set the little maker at night so that when you wake up, the coffee is already made? Well, there you go. So it may be I wake up in the morning, I have a little cup of coffee. I spend some time in God's Word. I spend some time in prayer. I go to the gym, have a workout, or I go for a run, or or I go for a swim before I go to work or school. Others of us may have found ourselves caught up in In unhealthy rhythms. And you know some of them may be super spiritual in nature. Some of them are just physically um, a rhythm of of being unhealthy. When I was in the retail business after I graduated from college with my dad. um, For about 15, 17 years. We had a retail store that my grandfather started. And it was over in the little strip next to Peachtree Mall. I don't even know what's there now. Maybe Army Recruiter. But it's next to the Crystal. How many of you like Crystal Burgers? Well, we were right next to the Crystal. And I got in this rhythm for I don't know how long that I got, went to work real early in the morning. So I'd get there about 6 o'clock, 5.30 or 6, and I'd go have breakfast at the Crystal. And I mean, we were literally this far from the Crystal, our back door. Get a little breakfast, go back to work. About six hours later, I'd go over to Crystal and get four double cheeseburgers and french fries every day. Every day. Look, I ain't but 5'8", and I got to about 225. That's an unhealthy rhythm of crystal burgers for, I don't know, maybe two or three years. So that's not, I was going to say that's not sinful. I could probably make a case that it was very sinful. But I think I came to the conclusion that what God wanted from me is a willingness to just say no. The other stuff I needed to say no to as well, but the sack full of crystal burgers I probably definitely needed to say no. And look, in, in your life right now, Maybe, that the, maybe the first step in transformation is to have some dialogue with yourself. Some sort of conversation with yourself about a sinful habit. And, it, and if you're not in the middle of a sinful habit right now, the temptation is coming. It may have, it may have lasted for years, like I don't know, but maybe that conversation is you speaking to that I don't know what it sounds like, Mr. Sin. You know, you tell Mr. Sin, listen to me. Every time I convince myself that you're gone, your creepy little face pops up again and creeps back into my life. And and even if you keep on showing up as some temptation, I'm telling you right now, right now in the fall of 2021, that my answer is no. Maybe you have something. Sometimes you got to like, you got to get that out of your mouth. And just tell the sin no. Then God is there with you. And God will. You lean on him. And the Holy Spirit is there to convict you of that sin. And you just tell the sin no. Many of us have an unhealthy rhythm probably right now. Because we have been as Paul would say. Trying to copy the behavior. Or the customs of the world. And when we have a rhythm in our life. We are going to be. Somehow, in some fashion, mirroring something. And either we can mirror the world and the world's values or we can mirror God and His values. you got to be digging in the Word. See the values of God. See what He places value on and mirror those things. So this is this initial subtraction that Paul writes about of saying no to the world. Well, what is it when that gets subtracted? What gets added back in its place? Well, Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. And so we got to say yes to the way. We're going to say no to to the world, and then we got to say yes to the way. When we're able to at least begin to remove the worldly patterns that maybe you've been following, a little space gets created, and what do we put in that space? It is Jesus, and he desires us to live a life that is... Constantly seeking to grow, and you're growing one way or the other like like, you are either moving ahead and growing spiritually and walking down that road or you're digressing. You know, if you pour water on a plant, what's that plant going to do? It's going to grow. For a plant to continue to grow, though, i got to continue to pour water on it systematically and methodically and intentionally. And I can't pour Coca-Cola on it. I can't pour milk on it. I can't pour sweet tea on it. I got to pour crystal clean water on it. You know, you think about it. The same is true for the patterns that Jesus wants in our lives. We got to spend time in the word of God we got to be intentional, we got to be systematic, we got to be methodical about spending time reading and studying the Word of God. That will always help us to, to respond in the way that the Lord would have us to respond. And Paul, really, in Romans 12, in this verse, in verse 2, he seems to be concerned with the way that we think and our thought processes. And our thought processes are super important, When it comes to the growth potential for the kingdom of God, the temptation that the world throws at you to follow its patterns, it always starts in our mind. The battle always, always starts in our mind. And it's just like this plant that we water. You know, we can't water uh, our minds just every once in a while. It's got to be a healthy routine, get in that healthy rhythm of digging into the word. Psalm, the very first Psalm, first couple of verses say this. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. His delight is in the word of God. His delight is in Scripture. And on his law, on the Scripture, on the word of God, he meditates day and night. Y'all, man, David is a walking, talking example of the importance of praying through and digging in God's word day and night. And the Lord desires not, not for us just to have the word near us, but to have the word in us, in our minds, in our hearts, and working through our lives. This, this transformation that Paul's talking about will only be done when we allow God to do it. Maybe there's something in your life, in the rhythm that you're in right now, in your morning routine or your evening routine, that that, that needs to change. Maybe something's got to change to allow God to transform you from the inside out. This transformation it begins in our mind. The latter part of verse 2 of, of Romans 12. We see this outcome once we take some steps towards transformation. He says you're going to learn how to discern, how to know God's will for you. And God's will for you is always pleasing. And it's always accepting. And it's always perfect it's good and it's pleasing and it's perfect and you will begin to discover you'll begin to understand and you'll probably begin to actually discover your purpose you know we know even though paul wrote this letter 2000ish years ago it is amazing that god knew what we would need right now lots of us have spent lots of time Searching tirelessly for meaning, searching tirelessly for for purpose in our lives. And maybe you have tried to fill that purpose with the things of the world and you figure out that you can't. And maybe you've tried to fill that with a relationship with another human being and you find that you can't. And maybe you tried to fill that with some social status and you find that you can't. Or cars, or boats, or big houses, or money, and you find out that you can't do that. That it is Jesus Christ is the only one that can bring meaning and bring purpose to your life, and He's called every one of us to do great things on this earth while we're here. You have gifts, and you have skills, and you have abilities, and you have you have uh, talents, and you are unlike anybody else that God has created. You are unique. And all of those things are for you to use to build up the body of Christ. You know, I wonder how many of us over time have have just not sensed this calling from the Lord because we have allowed an unhealthy rhythm to distract us from a relationship with the Lord. We hadn't been able to sense God's calling because we haven't spent enough time with him. We haven't spent enough time in his word. We haven't spent enough time digging in and praying through scripture. But the good news is this, y'all. If you're sitting here, it means there's breath in your lungs. And there's still time to reboot or to rewire your life. Scripture is full of all kinds of stories where, where God just makes it clear That there is still time to give him your life. Joel, the prophet Joel, four or five hundred years before Christ. He writes this. He says, yet even now, declares the Lord, return to me with all your heart. One of our little mantras at Church on the Trail is helping people find their way back to God and grow. Helping people find their way back to God. All the way back to Joel, four or five hundred years before Christ. The Lord invites us to give him our lives, to run back to him in repentance. Jesus came as a man to this very earth, was tempted by the very same worldly things that you and I are, but he didn't sin. Ultimately, he dies on a cross so that we could be transformed into walking, talking, reflections of him. That is what a disciple is. If we are a disciple of Christ, if he is our master, we want to look like him and talk like him and react to to people like he would, to sound like him, to love the things that he loves. Listen, you are not too far gone. And the devil may be all up in your ear saying that you are too far gone, but you're not too far gone. If you're breathing, you're not too far gone. You are not out of the game. Jesus wants you back. And he has a seat at the table for you. If you are watching, if you are listening to this, if you are sitting here, he wants you back. He loves you too much to just leave you where you are. Think about the thief on the cross. Hanging next to Jesus outside the city gates in Jerusalem. And we don't know, really, we don't know much about this dude. He enters and exits the Bible in just a couple of verses. But, but he makes a pretty big impression. And he starts off by being identified by his sin. You ever felt identified by your sin? Or you're John the Thief. Or you're Susie the Crack Addict. Or you're Julie the Drunk. You know, Matthew West wrote a song, Hello, My Name Is, several years ago. It's exactly what that was about. When you're a Christ follower, you're not Julie the Drunk. You're Julie the Son of the One True King. So you're not too far gone. So we see this thief on the cross. He starts off being identified by his sin. He's the thief on the cross. Raise your hand if you know his name. He's the thief on the cross. No name, no physical description, no no, no hometown, not even the son of Alphaeus or something. He's just the thief on the cross. He's just a common thug. He's just a criminal. That's all we know him by. He's the thief on the cross. And based on the, the Roman judicial system, although Scripture identifies him as a thief, it is super likely that he was way more than that. He did way more than that because the Roman judicial system generally didn't execute people just for theft. Crucifixion was reserved for major league criminals, murderers, people who rebelled against Rome. And so we don't know all the details about this guy, but we know that his crimes must have surely been pretty significant. We also know that he was guilty. There's no doubt about it that he was guilty. He admits that he deserves the punishment that he's receiving in the Gospel of Luke. We see that. So this thief is guilty of something that deserves the punishment of execution, and he knows it. Well, how do you reckon his life's plan is rolling down the road about right now? You know, if his life is being measured using one of these ancient scales with two arms and little pots hanging on each side with the good things over here on one side and the bad things over here on one side, if that's actually the way it worked, which side would be heavier? Well, the bad side would be cataclysmically overwhelming the good side by a lot. It's not too good for him. This dude's got a few hours to live. And the grand total of his accomplishments, at least noted in Scripture, are that he is a criminal, that he deserves death, and he's about to be executed hanging right next to Jesus. And if we're judging his life based on the good outweighing the bad, then this joker is in big trouble. Any objective standard, he is hurting. And if it wasn't already bad enough for this guy... His interaction with Jesus on this execution day, it didn't start off too good. The book of Matthew, the gospel of Matthew, says that of the two men who are crucified at the same time as Jesus, one on each side, both men start off that day, that execution day, by mocking Jesus, by throwing insults at him. In the face of their own guilt, they initially embrace their super depraved Super spiteful hearts and they're demeaning Jesus as he hangs on the cross. They're throwing dart after dart at him. Now obviously we see that scene and we know that it's not good. But I don't know that we know just how terrible and just how twisted and just how warped it really is. Jesus Christ in the midst of the greatest act of redemption in all of history. He's dying as an innocent sacrifice for all mankind, including the thief. Jesus is, is God. He's the creator of the very mouths that they're using to hurl insults at him. He's entitled as the king of kings to be worshipped and, and to be served by all of creation. And they should be praising him and thanking him and glorifying him for what he's doing, but instead they mock him and they scorn him and they throw darts at him and they throw insults at an innocent man as that innocent man is dying. It even gets worse because their messed up nature of these guys, it can really be taken in just the fact that the, the mockery is coming out of their mouths with words because in crucifixion, the way that a victim is attached to the cross you're attached in such a way that it took monumental effort and inflicted excruciating pain to even um, get up the 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 air to be able to to speak, because that you're you're you would be required to to hold yourself up through nailed through wrists and feet just to be able to speak words. So these two men, guilty as charged based on their own actions, are inflicting excruciating pain on themselves in order to waste their breath insulting Jesus as he's dying for them they're physically hurting themselves in order to get out their wickedness y'all this paints this this picture of the blackness and the darkness and the decrepitness of their hearts It's shocking. So look at this guy's life's work up to this point. He spent his life as a criminal. He's guilty of a great crime, probably crimes. He's deserving of the death death penalty. He's hours away from death. He's nailed to the cross, and he's spending all of his time and effort directly insulting God to his face while God carries out the most incredible act of redemption in the history of the world. Now, you talk about hitting rock bottom, hitting the bottom of the pit, that's him. All he needed to be doing is kicking a puppy while he's doing it to be the biggest dirt bag in all of history. And he can do nothing to change his standing. He can do nothing to change his position. He is helpless to do anything for himself to even up his account to tip those proverbial scales back in the favor of the good column, even if it worked that way. And it doesn't. But he's, even then he couldn't do it. He's immobilized, right? He's nailed up to a cross and he's, he's unable to go out and he's unable to come Saturday to feed the hungry in the homeless community. He's unable to get an angel off the angel tree and buy a toy for, for a foster kid. He's unable to provide a sleeping bag to somebody sleeping in the woods. He can't do any of that. He's nailed up to a cross hours away from dying. He can't do anything to undo the bad thing that he, the bad stuff that he's done according to our judging. He can't do anything to add to the good according to our judging. He's stuck with all of the stuff in the bad column of his life, and there's nothing he can do to add anything to balance it out. He is literally done for and he's helpless. And if he were called to, to 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 account for himself before God, his destination would be crystal clear. If he's called to account for himself before a holy God, his destination is crystal clear. But his destination changes in a second. Because his heart changes. In a second. The Bible doesn't tell us specifically where, when that happened. But at some point. He sees Jesus different. All he does is the, 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 the one thing. The only thing that he can do. In that moment to be saved. It's the only thing that me and you need to do. He turns to Jesus and he no longer sees an object of scorn. Y'all, he doesn't see an object of mockery. He doesn't see a false Messiah. He turns to him and he sees the very face of God. And he acknowledges him as Lord. Luke chapter 23 says this starting in verse 39. says one of the criminals who were hanged railed at him, saying, are you not the Christ? Save yourself and us. But the other rebuked him, saying, do not fear God, since you are under the same sentence of condemnation. And we indeed justly, for we are receiving the due reward of our deeds. But this man's done nothing wrong. And he said, Jesus, he, the, the thief on the cross, said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And he, Jesus, said to him, truly I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. So this guy spends a lifetime as a criminal. And then he starts this day off with God by mocking him, by mocking his pain. And yet he's not condemned as a result. In a moment, all of that just changes. Changes his view of God And therefore, he goes from being booked on a direct flight to condemnation to seeing Jesus in paradise just hours later, y'all. Not because of how good he is, because he surely is a dirtbag. So not because of how good he is, but because of how good God is. How generous God is, how merciful God is, how big and ginormous and awesome and unbelievable that God is. The Savior is just simply monumentally bigger than his sins. No matter how big his sins are. The Savior is bigger than that. As long as he had breath in his body, there's an opportunity for his eternal standing to change. With no strings attached. So this this thief, he can't do anything to advance the kingdom of God as we understand it. And he does nothing That man would think is substantial before dying this horrible, embarrassing death hanging up there next to Jesus. And yet the Lord welcomes him into his kingdom with no strings attached. Y'all, that is the most awesome thing ever. You may be listening to this today. You may be watching this. You may be here. And you may, may be in this process of being drawn to Jesus the way I was drawn 20 years ago. And you may be feeling this yearning to, to, to join into this thing that we call the body of Christ. His church. But you think that you can't do so because of something in your past. Well that's not the Holy Spirit convicting you of something. That is the devil throwing darts at you. You may be thinking they won't accept me. Do you know what I've done? You may think that you've done too much. Fill in the blank. You've done too many drugs. You've done too much drinking. You, you, you have just filled, lived your whole life in, in hateful ways and being ugly and nasty to everybody. You may have lived your life worshiping false gods. You may have lived 30, 40 years worshiping the dollar crushing everything around you for, for money. I don't know. You may think that you've done too much of you fill in the blank to ever get clean and come to Jesus. Dude, you can't get clean enough. Like, you can't get clean enough. It's not about you getting clean before you come in here. He came for the sick, not the well. When we say churches should be hospitals for sinners, for sick people... That's not just words coming out of our mouths. Like that's what churches are supposed to be. That's what the body of Christ is supposed to be. Not condemning somebody. Like are you kidding me? Thump me off the planet if that's the case. Because I'd be the first one in the line. But that's not what the body of Christ does. That's not what Jesus does. He's too big for all that. And it doesn't matter what it looks like on the back side of your life. Now, could there be, not could there, will there be earthly consequences probably to the, to the sin? Sure. But when you're forgiven, you're forgiven. Jesus is not going to drag something from 20 years ago up, 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 up in front of your face and say, Ed, do you remember what you did when you were 18? Jesus, that ain't the way it works. The sin gets moved as far as the east is from the west. The sin gets thrown in the abyss never to be seen or heard from again. He will not drag your garbage up from the past. If it gets drugged up, it ain't him dragging it up. Now, will the devil drag it up? Take it to the bank. Take it to the bank that he'll drag it up. That's what he does. And you know what? He's kind of good at what he does. he had been doing that for a long time. But when Jesus screams it is finished from the cross, that joker was defeated. You know, think about it. Your sin, and it may be a long list. Like, I don't know. It may be a longer list than the thief on the cross. It may be a shorter list than the thief on the cross. But if Jesus accepted him immediately, no strings attached, what do you think he's going to do for you? The very same thing. He is too great a Savior to not do that. The Bible is so clear that he is a bigger savior than your sin, and he accepts murderers and thieves and drunks and and drug addicts and people who have spent their entire life mocking him. You know who Richard Dawkins is? Raise your hand if you know who Richard Dawkins is. He's the chief spokesman for all the atheist God-haters in the world, which is hard to hate God if you don't believe that he exists so that's a different thing but if Richard Dawkins came to the foot of the cross after being a hater for 60 years probably guess what the Lord would do he would save him he would save him just like he saved me and if you're a believer just like he saves you it is what a perfect savior does all we got to do is turn away from it and turn towards him if we do, then no matter what happened before that moment is, is, is irrelevant. He will make a way for us to be with him forever. And can I explain that in some perfect way? I probably never will be because it's just too incredible. So if you've never done that, I'm saying do that today. Don't wait. You now I was so privileged Wednesday night. Sunday, three, four, four or five days ago to, uh, to, to share the gospel with my dad. And, you know, we're sitting here talking about the thief on the cross who was pretty much a dirt bag. Um, and so this, 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 this mindset that we're talking about that you can't be bad enough to be excluded, but you can't be good enough to be included either by the world's uh, judging or standards my dad was a good man went to West Point went from West Point to jump school at Fort Benning went from Benning to Bragg and went to Korea for 18 months served his country super generous philanthropic guy retires he works for or he volunteered with uh, SCORE in the Chamber of Commerce to help young young business people as a mentor. Loving father, husband. Grew up Jewish, never accepted Christ. That's the way I was raised. He would have been a mocker of Christ. For sure. Like for sure. I get saved January 17th of 01 and Probably from that day forward, and my dad intimidated me to no end. But probably from that day forward, in my mind, and it, and it grew over time, but in my mind, I'm like, i got to share the gospel with him. If you're a Christ follower, it's a whole lot easier to share the gospel with a total stranger on the street than with your mom or dad or brother. Or it's just, I don't really understand it. But I was such a coward for so long. Well, Wednesday comes, and he's, he's not even sick, y'all. He doesn't have cancer. He doesn't have heart disease. He just, ultimately, he, he stopped eating. And they, they you know, they call us in. If you've ever had to dealt with that, they called us in. And so we, I drive up there Wednesday night, a Wednesday day, and a bunch of people in my family are there all Jewish, except for a couple that have been saved in the last several years. And I said, I'm like on a mission. I've got to talk to my dad about Jesus because the window's closing, y'all. If you have friends, the window's closing. I said five times today, if there's breath in their lungs. But, but there's not breath in our lungs forever. This rucksack of a body is going to die. <clears throat> so, so Wednesday... Afternoon all these people are there and I knew that if I I couldn't have this depth of conversation with my dad with most of my family there And I thought well, maybe God doesn't have for me to do it. And I'm sitting there uh, with my mom And then all of a sudden at 430 everybody left That was random I guess everybody left and I thought man I ain't got no choice now Start wrestling If you've never experienced spiritual warfare, it is faux-real. And the devil is saying to me, well, it's okay. You don't really need to talk to him about it. So. I'm sitting there and, and... All these thoughts are in my head, and I know the devil was just throwing darts. And he, you know, he's Jewish, and the Jews are the chosen people, and he's going to end up in, he's going to go to heaven because of that. And I'm like, no, that's not biblical, and that's not the case. And you know, Satan is going to try to thwart anything that you want to do for the kingdom. And in that moment... in that moment I get a text message from Lana a friend of mine who's an elder in our church the text message said for I'm not ashamed of the gospel because it's the power of God for salvation and then under it he said, let's get it done. It's just so Lonnie. So Lonnie. Several hours later, he said, now, did you talk to your mama too? And I'm like, oh, my God, give me a break, bro. One at a time. Like, one at a time. But I get that in that moment, y'all. God's sovereignty is just unbelievable. So when I get that text, I'm like, well, pull your underwear up and go in there and have the conversation with your dad and I did and and it was way less ed explaining the gospel and scripture 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 Old Testament New Testament Romans 5 Romans 6 Romans 3 we just heard scripture the gospel clearly and distinctly and I asked him daddy can I talk to you about something serious and he said yeah and he was a little in and out of it um, but he heard it where he was so hostile and if you don't know my story and I'm not going about to give you that whole thing but when I got saved and I told him I got saved you know he and my mom for the most part cussed me out and didn't speak to me or Susan for six years so it, that would be hostility towards the cross but he wasn't hostile at all like, not at all. And I, I, I can't say to you that he jumped up and screamed, Jesus, saves!" save me. No, he heard the gospel. And he mumbled a few little nodded and, and he looked, his face looked totally at peace. Like, totally at peace. You know, I come to find out that even um, that was on Wednesday, late. Like, on Thursday, my two sons and a couple of my brother's kids that have gotten saved over the last few years prayed around him, laid hands on him. They whispered, Jesus is the Messiah, over and over in his ears. So, like, I don't know with 100% of surety that the Lord saved him in that moment. I I, I mean, I don't. But I sure think he did. By By the look on his face. just don't think he looks on oh, Jesus with scorn. You know? That's what the thief on the cross That's the change. You know, if there's breath in your lungs, or if there's breath in your parents' lungs, or your kids, or your cousin, or your best friend, it is never ever, ever too late to make a profession of faith. Don't let the devil deceive you because he will. Don't. So I don't know for some of us today here, maybe that means returning to a vibrant faith and a relationship that you have allowed to grow cold over time like I don't know. Maybe you have allowed the distractions of the world to collide with your belief system and your worldview and you just kind of have gotten like you're just not concerned with it anymore you've been distracted for a long time and maybe you just haven't mustered up the energy to do anything about it let it be today y'all let today be the day that you do let today be the day that you jump in a Bible study let today be the day that you grab that, that 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 scripture and you just start reading it it is never ever ever too late I want to read you a parable Matthew chapter 20. It says, For the kingdom of heaven is like a master of a house who went out early in the morning to hire laborers for his vineyard. And after agreeing with the laborers for a denarius a day, that's the money, after agreeing uh, with laborers for a denarius a day, he sent them into his vineyard. And going out about the third hour, he saw others standing idle in the marketplace. And to them, he said, You go into the vineyard too, and Whatever is right, I'll give you. So they went. Going out again in the sixth hour, in the ninth hour, he did the same thing. And about the eleventh hour of the day, he went out and he found others standing there. And he said to them, why do you stand here idle all day? They said to him, because nobody's hired us. He said, you go in the vineyard too. when evening came, the owner of the vineyard said to his foreman, call the laborers and pay them their wages, beginning with the last up to the first. And when those hired about the eleventh hour came, each of them received a denarius. Now when those hired first came, they thought they would receive more, but each of them also received a denarius. And on receiving it, they grumbled to the master of the house, saying, these last worked only an hour and you have made them equal to us equal to us who have borne the burden of the day and the scorching heat but he replied to one of them friend I'm doing you no wrong didn't you agree with me for a denarius take what belongs to you and go I choose to give to the last worker as I give to you am I not allowed to do what I choose with what belongs to me Or do you begrudge my generosity? So the last will be first and the first will be last. Y'all, it don't matter if you get hired at 5 o'clock in the morning or 5 o'clock in the afternoon. God is sovereign. His will will prevail. We are his creation and he can do with us whatever he wants to do with us. I just really believe my dad got hired in the 11th hour. just do you can too if that's you today I want you to pray this with me Lord I know that you know everything I've done and Lord I know that everything I've done has not been that great and I know Lord I'm trying to work out some scales and do the good let the good outweigh the bad but, but Lord I learned today that that's just not the way it works and so Father I repent of my sin, I turn away from my sin I acknowledge that I'm a sinner, I acknowledge that my heart's jacked up Lord I acknowledge that I'm a sinner and I'm turning from it, and I'm turning towards you Lord I believe that That death on the cross, that it truly paid the penalty that was mine to pay. A penalty that's got to be paid. And Lord, I believe it as strongly as I'm standing here that it took care of it. Lord, that you took care of it. And that you went in that grave and you were absolutely 100% dead and he walked out 100% alive. And Lord, that all of that is way stronger than any sin, any temptation, any messed upness in my life. That you are stronger and bigger and more awesome than all of that. And so Lord, save me. It's in Jesus' name, amen. Hey y'all, if that's you, if you need prayer, that kind of prayer, were just prayer. We've got people on our prayer team back in the back. You know, I'm hanging around after church. And my prayer is if, if you never said yes to him, that that's what happened today. And like, I would love to talk to you about that. I'm not going to tackle you in the parking lot. Tackling days are gone, my knees are bad. So I'm not going to do that. But I would love to talk to you. And just if you need prayer, I'd love to pray with you. And our prayer team in the back would love to pray, to pray with you. So let's worship.
1: I will believe it, yes, I will believe it, you make mountains to me. songs of praise to shake prison walls last week. Go with God. Y'all are dismissed.